0: He stated that he had been appointed to suggest a president for Howard College. So there was a lot of industry investment when I grew up, a lot of progressiveness. However, it was still a typical small
1: southern town. To
2: be perfectly honest with you, um, I didn't know what
0: Alabama was until I stepped foot in Alabama. I was not greeted by headquarters, I was greeted by Martha
2: Welcome back to SAM.WAVE. We're your hosts, Michelle Little and Claire Davis. And today we're bringing you a story on music education in the Black Belt of Alabama. Last spring, Dr. Beth McGinnis decided to take her senior seminar course in a different direction. Her class packed up instruments and recorders and drove down to Marion and Uniontown. This area is a time capsule of the agrarian South that continues today. In 1934, Renwick Kennedy wrote that the Black Belt stands for an economy, a culture, and a philosophy of life. To an Alabamian, Black Belt means a traditional way of life first and a strip of territory second. Eighty years later, Marion is still firmly steeped in tradition from the past. The class played alongside the students and heard plenty of stories from the faculty at the two county high schools, Francis Marion and Robert C. Hatch. In their interviews with Principal Kathy Trimble and Band Director Isaac Lanier, the class learned the role of music in education in Perry County. When the semester ended, though, Dr. McGinnis wasn't content to call it quits. Recruiting one of her students in the class, senior Samuel Robertson, she approached us to discuss the best way to spread the stories they heard in Marion and Uniontown, and naturally we jumped at the idea of a podcast about an oral education— So without further ado, we'll let Samuel's work speak for itself and let you listen to the music in Marion.
3: Hi, I'm Samuel Robertson, a senior at Sanford University, and this podcast is about rural Alabama and the impact of music on its communities. And we're specifically talking about Perry County, Alabama, which is home to the two small towns of Marion and Uniontown. And even if you live in Alabama, this is an area that you may not have heard of because of its small size and its relatively out-of-the-way location. Dr. Beth McGinnis, Assistant Professor of Musicology at Sanford University, tells us about her experience in Perry County.
0: One of the things that um, that I've noticed is that when an outside group comes into Perry County, we, we notice what they don't have. We notice lack. Mm-hmm. It's an economically depressed area. Mm-hmm. And we see that. You know, we come in from Birmingham, which um, at least in the the over-the-mountain communities, um, it's a very different culture. Mm -hmm. And we see those differences. We see what they don't have. But at the same time, working with the um, community kids in C-Camp, I've noticed all along that there's also a richness of culture and um, a, a richness of character and Uh and just an ability and enthusiasm and there's this beautiful community spirit and um it just seemed to me to be um to be important to look to emphasize that to Uh emphasize the assets in that community
3: So there are only two public schools in Perry County. There's Robert C. Hatch High School in Uniontown, and there's Francis Marion School, which is a K-12 school in Marion. And Dr. McGinnis and students from her senior seminar class for music majors have interacted with these schools, specifically their music programs, and they've conducted some interviews while they were with them. The first interview is with Francis Marion's principal, Dr. Kathy Trimble, and she first talked about growing up in Marion and returning there to teach. And how things have changed
1: has changed tremendously, um, probably at the time when when I was here, um, there was a lot of diversity among the staff and the student body as well. Uh, when I went off to college, and when I came back, I didn't try to come back. I got married in college, and my husband got the job, and he was a football player, and his coach got the principal's job, and he was like, and you know you're you're really Nice guy, religious guy, really want yeah, somebody to come back in my office at the school that I'm principal at. And he's like, okay, where is it? I was looking for a job. He said, I'm in a place that you've never heard of, it's a little small town called Mary in <laughs> So when he came home that night and told me at our apartment, I was like tearing the place up, are you serious? <laughs> so that's when I got back here. And um, at the time, things were still a lot like it was, very, very, very diverse. But then in 1987, uh, they found that the court order, actually there wasn't a court order to split the school systems from Perry County to Marion City. So Marion City Schools had to dissolve and it all became Perry County. Well, at that time, what happened is they kept the same um, administrators everything from, I'll take that back, the central office, the superintendent, and everything from the county school since Marion City was formed illegally, if you could say. And at that time, we had a white flight, and the private school started, and so uh, we lost um, practically all of our, I guess, we're not so diverse now. okay I guess that's a nice way to put it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it, it has changed tremendously, uh, but as an administrator, um, I wanted to come in, and, and of course when you have a, a, a drastic change like that, I mean a lot of things change. The culture changed, the, the perception of the school changes. Um, a whole lot of things change.
3: We asked Dr. Trimble about some of the challenges she has faced as a school administrator.
1: Like I said, a few years ago, we were, our, our school, we've gone through a lot of transitions, a lot of transitions that has really, really hurt our school, and one of the main things is. There is no industry here in our, in our town. There is, so what our parents do is, a lot of our parents would look like at Mercedes, those, those subsidiaries of Mercedes, or maybe in Montgomery with uh, Hyundai or something like that. And initially, um, they would allow their students to stay and they would commute. And then the year when the gas prices went crazy, and that's the year when it really started. It started where we lost a lot of students then our academics went, I mean, we nosedived from where we were to like rock bottom. And so we were on that famous failing school list. So then we lost a lot of students that which we're no longer doing now, I might add. <laughs> um, so we're looking and we're bouncing back. And I, I just see is um, making a rebound. But that, that's just a part of that culture changing that we're talking about. So a lack of industry, a lot of parents move away because of their jobs. So we've lost a lot of students. We've lost a lot of students. Our enrollment has declined tremendously, which is what we're pre-K-12 school.
3: One obstacle the schools face is the many families who leave Marion in search of better employment.
1: And then when we do, as our superintendent, which I, I totally agree, we have the, our students, the uh, number of students going to college, I think within the last two years, at least 79% of our students to college. We, we really emphasize that our, our graduation rate is over ninety percent, and they're not just going unless they can't afford it. They're staying and they're graduating, but then we have those who just cannot afford it, and then once again, you know, we've lost those students. So we, how can we help them? But um, but the ones that do stay and graduate, which is quite a few, they never come back. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's like I like got superintendent say, sort of shoot yourself in the foot. You, know, you do a pretty good job of educating them then when they get educated they go to the big cities who wants to come and I always say well, there's no McDonald's or no Walmart here so <laughs> who wants to come so it, we have that problem also with uh, some teachers we can get some good teachers but I mean they can't and then the women always tell me if you find me a husband I'll stay I'm like, bye baby I can't do that <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I'll try but I mean, you know, so it's those types of things like that. So we've had some awesome teachers to come through, but you know, it's just hard to keep somebody here and there when there's nothing to do.
3: Doctor Trimble and her husband have both worked in Perry County schools and they had the resources to supplement their own children's education with out of town activities, but she realizes that other families don't have the same opportunity.
1: I will say this it was hard for our children, being that my husband and I both teachers in school. <laughs> they had a hard time. But, a hard time. <laughs> um, but for me, I guess the thing, it was kind of hard for me too, because those things that we want our children to be involved in, like I talked about how my parents did, they're not here. So, you know, we'd have to take our children somewhere else to do dance and somewhere else to do music. And you know, all of our children did do music. I traveled on Saturdays at least an hour away for my children to take piano lessons, mm-hmm. um, those types of things. It was hard because those things are not here, so that's another reason why our children are not involved. Yes, I could afford to do that, you know, to do that for my children. But how many parents can actually do that? Can I actually take their children to where they need to go to get that exposure to those things? And now we have a, we have a bonus child that's ten, um, and now we have her. I'm doing the same thing, so I traveled to someone on Monday to take her to piano. Mm-hmm. She's so to travel I like to Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. to take dance, you know. So it's, it's hard. But like I said, we'll do that. But, you know, just not a whole lot of parents mm-hmm. are able to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So do I think they want to? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there are some that still do. Um, but it's just hard for the mass.
3: Dr. Trimble told us about the grand dreams she has to widen her students' horizons by bringing the outside world in.
1: Um, and, and the one thing that I wanted to do was to change the culture of our school. And I wanted our students to experience what I experienced as a child. Although the diversity is not here in the population, there's a lot that you can be exposed to. There's a lot that you can learn outside of what you go home and see every single day. So we've really been working on that and um, the students have been responding extremely well. I do appreciate that much. That's why, like I said, it's so important to me that our students are exposed to more than just what they see and what their peers are listening mm-hmm. to or hearing and that type of thing. Um, we do, we do a we do advisory here, where each teacher has students that so we so our students know, and, and this is how you begin them in, okay? So when advisory starts, instead of getting them in, and saying it's advisory time, we play a song, okay? <laughs> so then we play the song, they know I don't say anything, they just conditioned, they know it's time to go to advisory. So you know, I can play different kind of music. Uh, normally, the I I'll give you another way that we again. The, if you notice the the TV monitor, okay, I'm usually piping music through that, and it's my music going all day. Okay, maybe jazz, and maybe gospel, and the Christmas was Christmas, you know. And you know, initially I come up like, you know, why are you playing that? And, you know, I, I like it, and then you'll hear them going down the hall singing it. So I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. But this morning, this week, for some reason, we've been having problem with the internet, and our our tech person came up and tried to get it right. So, and then, and then they'll say, you know, we need the music on, I don't hear it, so, you know, <laughs> so that's another way we try to do it, too. So, you know, that's if they can't go out to be exposed, you know, I try to bring the exposure mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. so So, um, but it is still in the black belt area, religious and um, church and that type of thing is, is, a, is a big part of our children's culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, you know, even when I play the music there, I'll play, you know, gospel music. You know, i will be playing my gospel, the gospel music, and the students will come up and they're singing those songs and they're whatever. And, and then not only that, um, my husband pastors a church in Uniontown, which is like twenty minutes away. Because that our children um, on Wednesday night we go to service, we have like they be packed all on top of each other. They want to go to church. Mm-hmm. so we do carry them to church. That is a big part of our children. They'll come up. We have um. They'll come up and ask us, "Can you come and pray with me?" Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm having this problem. So you know, that's a big part of that. That is a really big part of it. Um, yeah, it really is, and it's, a, it's it's a big part of our culture. Mm-hmm.
3: Dr. Trimble is committed to the education of her students beyond the curriculum and the classroom. Dr. Trimble is firm on discipline while still letting the students know that they're loved by listening to their problems and caring about their stories. And Dr. Trimble has set up partnerships with colleges throughout Alabama that frequently send college students to interact with the students of Francis Marion School. Dr. Trimble intends to add to the students' stories by exposing them to diversity done through music and extracurricular activities and through interaction with colleges all around Alabama. Further south in Uniontown, Alabama, we interviewed the Robert C. Hatch School band director, Isaac Lanier, while hosting his band at Sanford University, where we ate together, played some games together, and performed for each other. Mr. Isaac Lanier. Told us about his own background as a band musician and his drive for excellence in his band program.
4: Uh, I played for many ensembles, Selma High School, Alabama State University, Talladega College, uh, Memphis Mass Band, Memphis Alumni Band, Mississippi Alumni All-Star Band, uh, LLI, Louisiana Louisiana Leadership Institute, uh, a bunch of different ensembles uh, just to take and kind of cultivate myself with different areas adapt myself to be able to do different styles of play not only being able to compete with myself with Alabama baritone players but I could go sit in any band room and do just as well as anybody that was my ultimate goal you know not to ultimately be the best but be one of the greats one of the legends and be remembered so now I've I've reached that it's time to pass it on to the kids and you know make a couple more me's and hopefully they'll be better than me
3: Uniontown faces many of the same challenges that Marion does and suffers from a lack of resources Mr. Lanier has responded by furnishing several
4: of the band's instruments himself Uniontown has a sense of pride like no other Um, Man when I say pride like the city bands together for The, the when it comes to the sports as long as you're doing something one thing now Let's just scratch everything this, let's say this. This is my first year working in Uniontown, and what I'm almost double sure is, if you in the community and you're doing something positive for their children, doing something right, keeping them out of trouble, being a great example, the people will rally together, do whatever they need to do to make it happen for those kids. That's what I love about Uniontown. Uh, some of the challenges I face is uh, some of the challenges pretty much I face at other schools. Are the culture is trying to die out, so you have to. You know, keep them influenced and tell them why it's important, show them why it's important. And uh, I think essentially at this school, I've never had a school that didn't have any instruments. So that was kind of heartbreaking. Uh, left me broke for a little while, but now you see why I work so hard. Uh, they're not going to let the money go to waste.
3: Music is a powerful tool, and Mr. Lanier talks about what music does for those who are listening to it.
4: I just think it happens because music breaks the human down to the simplest form. I mean, music doesn't have a color. It doesn't have an identity. You know, it doesn't have a race. It doesn't have a gender. It's for everybody. And once they start playing, it's either going to make you feel a couple of ways, happy, sad, excited, you know. But either way, music is one of the only things in this world that can completely hack into a human and control everything without even trying to. Yeah. And so... With that being said, um, I just try to push the music, you know, so, so much because a lot of people don't even know how much regular life and everyday things relates to a band, you know, analogies. Like, we talk about tempo. Tempo is in everything. You can go fast in a car. You can go fast walking on your feet, you know. Dynamic contrast, you know. You can talk loud, and it would affect the way a conversation dictates with somebody whether you're approaching them like this. You know, different things, and I use all kind of life situations in the classroom like that to try to make great analogies to help them understand the way music makes me feel and why I'm so excited about it. You know, anytime anything happens, let's let's cut off some music. Let's let's you know let's do something musical, and one I feel like once you know they get that feeling, then they'll eternally, not essentially, eternally be on the right path.
3: Like Doctor Trimble, Mr. Lanier wants to open for his students the world he experienced growing
4: up. I don't like to mention this story too much, but this is kind of what kickstarted me to really being serious about band, because me being from New York, I mean, we have orchestras and sym- symphonic bands and one ensembles, but the way we do marching band in the South is not co- a comparison at all. You know, the North might as well not even have it, and so uh, you know, it was a joke. When I first got here, you know, I was a kid from New York. You know, I thought I was a little bit better than everybody. You know, knew more. Go to a football game. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's, it's halftime. Let's go to the concession stand. They're like, no, 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 no. The band is about to start. I'm like, so? They're like, dude, do you know where you at? Do, do, do you, just sit right here. You'll see why nobody moving. And um, that was my first time seeing a halftime show. uh by Selma about my high school. It was in about 2004. I was in middle school, I'll never forget it. Uh, my cousin, she was a dancer and she danced at Clark Atlanta University in Atlanta, Georgia after she graduated, but we all went to support her and the crowd went crazy. It was a euphoric feeling, you know. I had never experienced anything like that because the football games I was going to, if the crowd weren't cheering, I mean, you could throw a couple of tumblewees out there and that'd get it going more than anything that you would hear. So to see the crowd roaring the way they did for this band, you know, I I could I never understood it. You know, I'm just like, just some band stuff, you know.
3: Mr. Lanier sees band discipline as a means of preparing his students to succeed
4: in life. If you can matriculate through my band program, and I have rules, if you can matriculate through this band program, you'll be an excellent adult because A, you'll know how to talk to people. You'll know it's a certain time and a certain place to do and say certain things, and certain things that won't be allowed and it's not acceptable. And you you have to have discipline because if you have chaos, there's just gonna be a lot of friction. Um, So I am I'm in agreement with him. I do have agree. I have a couple that'll go out and be band directors, but just like I tell them and my students, regular students, band students, all, I'm just teaching you how to think, not what to think, how to think, and how to be able to matriculate through life you know without having to fend and depend on anybody you'll be able to fend for yourself i just want you to be a great person so you can be able to appreciate stuff and know what it takes to earn and work hard and deserve something and enjoy yourself in life
3: several years ago isaac lanier formed the black belt united mass band and has seen the power music has to unite the community
4: in 2011, uh, I took a semester off from school in Selma, Alabama. In central Alabama area, people refer to it as the Black Belt of Alabama because of Highway 80. It just kind of goes straight across uh, the waistline of Alabama. And so to say, I don't want to say I got bored, but it was kind of that, and I was working on a unity thing. Just kind of sat down with some friends one day. I was like, man, what if we got all the people from Selma High School In Southside because it's it's it's, it's not unified. You know, it's a lot of um, violence and stuff like that going on. So I said, man, what if I can take and find a way to fuse these bands together because it's never been done before. And I have to take somebody that is well known on both ends. Everybody from my band knew me, and I had a lot of relatives and the rival band, a first cousin actually that played the same instrument that I played, and so. We just kind of hung out for a summer, and we brainstormed on it. and um, So it was really, I can't say it was on me. We all kind of came up with the idea, but I went to school, and, you know, I I ran with it. I said, Mr. Williams, man, look, I have an idea. So, I mean, it was just a blessing, you know, me just being a kid thinking, man, what if we put these bands together, you know, to stop some beef, you know, some of the violence. You know, maybe if they see, okay, we all in it for the same reason, we just looking at it differently, maybe to solve some of the problems because communication is the main part of it all so it just happened and there was born the Black Belt United Mass Band and this year we're hoping to do it again now that some years have passed I've graduated I've had friends that graduated a couple people that graduated from Selma High as well as me have graduated and we all have marching bands that have been working strong year round so hopefully to pull those together and Half, hopefully, have almost 200 people combined with four high schools, four or five schools. So, start small, but faith of muscle see get you going.
3: We asked Mr. Lanier about the plans he has for his band.
4: Within another year or two, as long as God keep blessing, we keep working hard. Uh, I've gotten my band instruments. I've got my band stands through DonorsChoose.org. Um, my next step, hopefully, is to get a band room set of chairs. You know, to help with posture, playing posture. There's a bunch of small things like that. You know, technical skills, that paints the bigger picture. I want to get band room chairs. Uh, I would like to, really, I would love to get uniforms for my school. Uh, that's one thing I'm really, really working towards, you know, because certain events we go to, uh, I don't mention it too much, but at the same time, I do observe everything. And sometimes a windsuit is not proper attire poor performers, but at the same time, if that's all you have, then that's the only thing you can do. But I notice how my kids react sometimes when they see a band stepping out with clean spats and shakos and, you know, the cape swinging when they do the horn swinging. We're going to have uniforms in, in about two, two years. I want to say two minimum.
3: Mr. Lanier was able to get band uniforms in two months rather than two years. Miles College has the same school colors, purple and gold, and they donated a beautiful set of uniforms to Robert C. Hatch School. Now Mr. Lanier is working on buying shiny new brass instruments for the band. Mr. Lanier is determined to use music and his position as band director to educate his community in the joys of making music, and also to progress the band program at Robert C. Hatch School, but ultimately to unify the community to mediate divisions already made, and to dissolve violence between individuals and groups all through the common love for music. Music has a voice in Perry County, a voice that exposes students to different cultures, a voice that motivates students to work hard and to find success, and a voice that reaches beyond hatred to bring people together. And it has a voice of its own, a loud voice that tells with authority to anyone who hears it, What the people of Perry County, Alabama are all about.
0: Our
2: theme was written and produced by Sanford student Carrie Joyner. The background music was produced by Carrie Joyner, and the musical performance was the Robert C. Hatch School Band. The interviews with Kathy Trimble and Isaac Lanier were conducted by Dr. Beth McGinnis's senior seminar class. This episode was written and produced by Michelle Little and Claire Davis. This is a Samford Traditions and Oral History Recordings Initiative production. For more information on our program, you can find our page on the Samford website or follow us on social media at Facebook and Instagram at Samford underscore story and on Twitter at SU underscore story.